Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Geek Fluent Minicast. I'm here live at EMC World Tuesday. I'm here with Natalie Corden Greg, who is in, what is it? Is it competitive intelligence? What is the actual yes. title that you have? Uh, I work in competitive intelligence, yes. I'm senior director. And just in the interest of full disclosure, um, in my past in the career, I was actually in the competitive intelligence group at EMC. Yep. And for a period of five to six months, I actually reported directly to Natalie. Yep. So this has been a great experience getting to come back and see you. Yep. So the thing I want to talk to you about, Natalie, is you, you did something here at EMC World I haven't seen done before. You had a presentation about competitive intelligence and competitive marketing. We've done that type of presentation back when I was in the group, but it was always to internal people or to, you know, to marketing groups or to partners. This was something you did with, with customers, too. That's correct. So yes. what, was, what was different about how that goes? Uh, this time we did it because the rise of more uh, risk officers and intelligence officers in business is becoming more prevalent and some of our customers are attending more of the uh, SCIP, which is strategic and competitive intelligence professionals and more fold um, type courses and there was an ask uh, to have more of that around so we submitted a session and um, as, a, as a pilot and it was accepted and customers enjoyed the idea. Well, I mean, you know, if you're a customer out there, you're trying to figure out, you know, everybody's telling you their stuff is the best. Not all of them can be right. Correct. And they're trying to start similar functions within their own organizations. How do they compete if they're an automotive industry, if they're a fashion industry, if they're um, a coffee industry, how do they differentiate themselves from their competitors? And how do they do that, start those functions within their own organizations? This was a how-to for themselves and using EMC best practice and being a thought leader in this space. So if you had a business going and you're starting to realize that you've got competition out there, you started from scratch, what's the first thing you do in starting so a competitive organization? So there's three critical success factors for a business intelligence function. It is that you have to be um, sponsored, and sponsored means having a um, sponsor and funding. And it has to be fact-based, and it has to be integrated into your company strategy. And those three things together put you on the right path. So that's really the key. Right. No big projects going to go if they don't have executive buy-in. Right. And fact-based. I mean, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. You know. Okay. Um, you and I were t chatting back and forth before we started. There's this thing out there everybody calls FUD. For those who've never heard the term before, it means fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Right. And to me, FUD is always the first resource of the the ineffective competitor. I'll just try and make people nervous about the other product. I'll throw stuff and throw shade on it. Right. Um, how do you, you know, and that's why I like, you know, the fact-based idea. How do you make sure that you don't stray into slinging foot? So, being fact-based, uh, in what we do, we stay with actionable intelligence, which means it is um, current, it is matched to what the strategy is right now, and it is uh, verified and unbiased. Verified means it has to be at least three sources, and unbiased means those resources can't have a hidden can't have an agenda. Um, the example I like to use is um, like my nine-year-old loves chocolate ice cream, and um, he wanted to prove that chocolate ice cream was the best ice cream in the world. You can't be from the uh, Chocolate Association of America, <laughs> and your source can't be um, people who have already you know uh, decided that chocolate is the best. Like you have to be 
uh, a wide sample, right. preferably double-blind sample, that type of thing. And People that who would stand to benefit financially from selling your son chocolate exactly. might not be the most reliable source. Exactly. There. So that is how you maintain that clear, unbiased, verified information, and that keeps you away from the FUD piece. So that's that's what we do. So the evangelist piece um, of an organization, which is a really important person in your organization, your person who leads for your product, um, is a really important person, and they can work with your competitive and your market intelligence, but um, they will be blind to what's good about your competitors, and therefore can potentially lead you astray towards not seeing what the strengths of that is, and you can make some mistakes about where you want to go with your roadmap if you're not clear on what the strengths of your competitors are. I, I see some evangelists out there are obviously doing it better than others, but I, I agree. I think too many of them are blind to anything bad about their own product as well as to anything good about other products. It's like, you know, that, that was our, our joke always back when we were in the group together was, you know, oh, we, we, we could make this deck very, very easy. Two slides. Our stuff rocks. Slide two, their stuff sucks. Yep. Done. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, but I'm going to need something a little more substantive than that. And, you know, you run into the risk if you don't do fact-based, you know. Right. You start describing something that that competitor doesn't do. They, they Well, they don't have this feature. But if the customer ha happens to own that product and it does, in fact, have that feature, you're right. done. Well, that third piece of it has to be integrated in company strategy. You can't be integrated into your company strategy. Your executives aren't going to trust you. Your engineering groups aren't going to, you're not going to have the credibility with those engineering groups. And you're certainly not going to have the, um, the salespeople believing you have their back. If your stuff is not insightful, if it is not credible, if it is not relevant, you're not going to drive that engagement if they don't believe everything that comes from you is not based in fact. Not Okay, you're allowed to make a mistake every once in a while, but it has to be an honest mistake, not rah-rah. Otherwise, they're just not going to listen to you anymore, and then your function has no purpose in the organization. You know, as, as a reseller or having been a customer myself, I'm always suspicious when any vendor makes a, a claim for uniqueness of a feature or we're the largest, we're the only vendor, because yep. I know pretty sure, pretty sure none of those are true from anybody. It's not it's just a general skepticism so how do you avoid you know helping your people not fall into those traps I think it's respecting the competitor for what they're good at right and, and you know as well as I do that um, very rarely does anyone have a magic box in our industry a magic anything um, but it's it's really important to say this is what they're good at this is what we're good at and we particularly like this architecture because this is why we believe our architecture is better for what we do versus what they do um, and, and it's ideally I'd like to not talk about the competition at all with a, with a customer but if they're saying can you differentiate what they're doing versus what you're doing or what's your offering versus their offering doing that with a um, giving them their due but saying this is why we do what we do is really the the best approach because it's not like they don't have something viable because if they don't they wouldn't be in business I, I agree like the best the best competitive conversations are one where the competition doesn't get mentioned you talk about your strength Correct. how you're going to benefit why this is a best fit for that customer's use case right. and they say well you know you want to be ready and armed with knowledge and they say well we also heard these other guys yeah. do this thing we want to be able to say well they do it a little differently than we do 
let me talk about those differences. But you want to kind of, you, know, you don't want to lead down the path of, again, we rock, they suck. Because At the end of the day, what I've found that works the best for me when a customer is asking me about it and saying, my whole day is research. If I thought they were better, would I be here? That's a great answer. Thank you. I may have to steal that. I am going to send this to you. I'll, my, say, I'll give you a nickel every time. You know, yeah, my copyright, free, my copyright <laughs> fees are very low for friends. Yeah. So, you know, the, the thing that I always got requests from is trying to battle, you know, when the other guys are slinging blood at you, you know, there's a temptation. I think it especially comes to mind now that it's an election year because we're seeing lots of that from, from every campaign, from every candidate. Yep. You know, they call it mud slinging, but it's really fud slinging in the, uh, mm. in the political arena as well. So what do you do when the other guy, how do you respond? What's the best way to respond? But you don't want to leap into panic mode, but... It really depends on what the mud is. So it's really a case-by-case basis. If the mud is just not factual, um, sometimes it makes sense to answer it with facts, and sometimes it doesn't. Many times, if you let it lie, customers will defend you themselves, right? If, if it's just not true, loyal customers on social media will say, well, that's just not true on their own, and you can just stay clean, right? Um, that's the best option. If that doesn't happen, um, we went through that with the, the first announcements of the merger, right? There was a lot of other companies coming forward saying, oh, it's scary, and you don't want to do deep business with the, them, they're going to... The, all these things are going to happen, and there were some cases where, you know, the company had to step in and say, "Nope, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen." Michael Dell had to go and talk to some customers and, and put out a video, right, on YouTube saying, "Listen, you're listening. Me, I'm saying this. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen." And it was on YouTube. Everybody could see it. And that was well, really and, and I think that's you know, that particular setup, but struck me as really ridiculous like Michael Dell what do you think Michael Dell's buying EMC for not to shut it down correct you're not going to spend that much money just to shut something down and not so you're buying it because of the strength of the products correct. you you know okay maybe there'll be some product line changes but you know what within companies as new technologies evolve this product changes anyways correct so that's to be expected I, you know it's not like okay well you know symmetrics is going away because we don't want to. Get, we don't want to sell that anymore. No, obviously not. When the when the gap is in the two product lines is that they don't have an enterprise product. That was one of the funniest pieces of fun I had ever heard. Um, the whole marriage is that they need the enterprise. It was it was one of the funniest pieces of fun that I read in the whole fud slinging campaign. <laughs> I found it very interesting during some of the the, the keynotes here that uh, Michael Dell described it as well. You know. The MC products and the you know the Dell storage products didn't really compete with each other. And I remember thinking, I don't think that's what you would have said, you know, nine ten months ago. Yeah. Well, they did and they didn't, right? Um, one of the things that uh, you were you were asking, how do we deal with some of the the flood campaigns? Um, one of the things that we did strategically do in uh, several iterations ago, we had two companies that were coming at us. Right? One of the things you can do is aim them at each other. So I did do that a while ago and had to admit it recently. Um, we just directed one towards the other and we just stepped back. Sort of like the Aikido master method of, of competition. You know? Yes. Step yes. out, you use the other person's force against them. We just decided we would deal with whoever was left standing. You know, 
if you did have to fight multiple people at once, that's the right way to do it. Yeah. Let, it was, let them tire each other out. Again, the idea is to keep um, as, as clean and as honest a fight as we can. Now, I know I don't speak for all of EMC. All I can speak for is how we deal with things in competitive. I'm sure there are people who are playing nice at EMC and people who are not playing nice at EMC. I can only take care of the, you know, roughly 40 people that we are. Well, obviously, yeah. That, that speaks for Yep. So, just uh, logistics for a moment. Um, I realized a little while ago I accidentally hit pause on the timer. And so I'm watching the, the recording here. So we're gonna, we're gonna, be a little rougher to judge you. We've got about two minutes left though okay. since we started recording. So, um, what were some? I mean, how did customers respond? Was this like was it really well received? I was really excited. Um, at first, I was really nervous because it looked like there was about seven people in the session because the room was super big, and I thought, oh dear. But then I started counting, and there was a lot more than seven. It was just a really big room. Um, so once the conversation started um, getting going, the few people um, that were there, uh, about 30 to 50 that came, um, were really engaged. And I did sessions at EMC World for years when I was in Symmetrics product management. And I could have many times over that many people. And none of them were looking up. They would all be doing work in their laps. Everybody had their eyes up. The questions were phenomenal. The, the, everyone stayed after the session ended. And um, I will probably follow up with a lot of them. So it was really valuable, very happy people at the end. It was great. Well, I mean, I'd rather have 10 people in a session who are all actively engaged and taking notes and asking questions than yep. you know, 100 people who you, you can't tell if they're actually dozing off or just doing email anyways. Yes. So that's great. I mean, yes. again, when you first told me you were doing that session, you said, well, it just struck me as, I wouldn't have guessed that yeah. that's all. I mean, when you describe it more, especially here as we're talking, it makes a lot more sense. Mm. It, it's okay, I get it now. But at first it was like, wait, hey, you know? Yeah. Because I think people do view the competitive group as like the spy agency within the corporation. It's not true. It's not it's the not. role. It's a research. It's, it's research scientists more than, than anything else. It is. And it's important when, when you find, hey, no, somebody is doing this thing better than us. There's something we're not. Okay, we need to know what we need to do to play catch-up. Exactly. All right, we're running short on time. Natalie, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Um, if people are interested, Natalie's on Twitter as... And Cord and Greg. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. This was fun.